Earth to Brit can be found wherever you go for your next podcast fix. My handle on Instagram and Facebook is Earth to Brit Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Earth to Brit Pod. Emails can be sent to earth to Brit.podcast at gmail.com. The podcast website is www.anchor.fm slash earth to Brit. Remember, Brit is spelled with two T's. B-R-I-T-T. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. This is a Yellow Wave production. Sit on my lap. Why? Okay, that way you can reach it better. Here, I'm gonna move the no, microphone. You want to do it right there? Yes, yeah, so you ta- stand up and do it. Okay, so we talk into the microphone. Here, you just sit a little closer, and then you'll be good. Tell everyone your name. Um, um, I can't. I don't know. You do too. Don't worry about it. You got stage fright. Guess what? They're not here. So you get, that's the beauty of it. You get um, hello, my name is Augie. That's right. Nailed it. What else we have told now? Well, what should we talk about? Do you know what this week's episode is about? Yes. What is it? I told you too. No, don't touch the computer. It needs to be recording. Do you want me to tell you what this week is about? Mm-hmm. It's about solitary confinement. <laughs> I didn't uh, make it known, public. I did not train him for this, but I could not agree more. I agree. It is yucky, yucky, yucky. Not a fan. We don't like it here, do we? No. We don't like solitary confinement. waste uh, no time and get right into it. This week for episode 15, we're going to talk about solitary confinement. I figured this was appropriate for several reasons. The fact that we're all in quarantine, some of us longer than others, some of us not at all really if you're essential workers, but regardless, it's affecting all of us in some way, shape or form. There are restrictions that have never been there before globally. This is truly unprecedented times. But even with that, even with the most strict form of quarantine, it's it's not ideal and it breaks you down and it's a serious struggle. You know someone, if not yourself, who is really, really having a hard time with this. However, great, my dogs are barking right on cue. Don't worry about them. You might hear some cartoons in the background. I'm doing what I have to do to get this episode to you. Anyway, um... It's, it's affecting all of us, but I thought it was 
a really good week to do this because by now we're all feeling the issues. We're feeling the, um, what am I trying to say? We're feeling the fact that we can't find our words. Uh, Britt here. Hi. Can't find my words pretty much ever these days. Oh, come on. We're feeling the effects of quarantine. It's it's a mental mind game, but it, imagine on your worst moment in quarantine and you feel like you're losing your mind. You have freedom. You're not in jail. You're not in solitary confinement, although sometimes, especially with children, you probably wish you were until you actually, if you were to actually be put into quarantine, not quarantine. I can't focus with my dogs barking. If you were to actually be put into solitary confinement, you would lose your mind. Most people do, which is why it's a crime. It is a crime. It is, it's not right. And most of us have heard of it, know about it, all that. But to actually do a deep dive and really, really study the effects and and see the statistics and the studies and all of that stuff that's been done and real life people to get to know their stories... I am highly alarmed and I find that you most likely will be as well. So we're going to talk about that this week. Um, but real quick, I need to figure out why my dogs were barking so, so incredibly much. I feel like somebody was here and I just want to make sure that uh, I'm not about to get murdered. Be right back and we will dive right into solitary confinement. Be ready to learn. Be ready to get upset. I'm assuming. I'm not going to tell you how to feel, but... It won't surprise me if you get all up in arms about this like I am. And I think that this is the time that I can do this episode because we can relate to it as much as possible, which we have no idea. But this is the time that we can relate as much as possible where before there's never been a time where we can all slightly a little bit understand as we can right now. So I'm going to take advantage of that and I'm doing the damn thing. Also... I thought it'd be fun because it's a psychological episode, but it's also a crime because it is a crime, a socially acceptable acceptable one. Like we have, well, kind of, it's still accepted. It's widely questioned and recently it's come into the limelight and things are looking good for getting rid of it, thank God. But it's kind of crazy because it's considered by some and probably going to be the final say at once this is all done with uh, solitary confinement is that it is a crime which is wild because it's practiced daily everywhere it's just insane to me so it's a I mean you can't go wrong you get crime you get psychological issues and you get to relate in a small 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 little morsel of a way because of quarantine so let me check out what's going on in my house and uh, hopefully I make it back and then we'll do the thing and talk all about this and you'll learn something hopefully and you'll feel something hopefully and it'll be it'll be uh, good. It'll be good in a bad way. You, I know you get me. If you've been listening and if you're a fan, you understand what I'm saying. I'll be right back. Bookworms, this one's for you. The search for your next book to read ends here. Recently released, A Killer's Wife is perfect for all my true crime friends. The best part? It's part of a series, so you'll have more to look forward to once you've finished. Written by best-selling author of The Neon Lawyer, Victor Methos, 
A Killer's Wife is a gripping thriller about a prosecutor confronted with the darkest part of her past and the worst fears for her future. Jam-packed with conflict that you'll easily relate to and plenty of twists and turns that'll keep you at the edge of your seat. It's everything needed for a great read, guaranteed to satisfy any suspenseful cravings you may have. Available in Kindle format, audiobook, hardcover, paperback, and even audio CD. Get yours today at Amazon.com. Before we talk about some personal stories and real people and studies and whatnot, I think it's probably a good idea to discuss what solitary confinement even is. I understand you probably have heard about it. You know the basics. Fine. But I don't want to leave anyone behind who might not know what this is. Or if you thought you knew and then you find come to find out that it's something totally different, whatever, who knows? No judgment here. So we're just going to all get the basics so that we can be on the same page. Solitary confinement is a form of imprisonment that's distinguished by living in single cells with little or no meaningful contact to other inmates. And strict measures are in place to control contraband and the use of additional security measures and equipment. It's specifically designed for disruptive inmates who are security risks to other inmates, the prison staff, or the prison itself. Most of the time it's employed for violations of discipline, such as murder, hostage taking, deadly assault, and rioting. But it's also used as a measure of protection for inmates whose safety is threatened by other inmates. Um, kind of a well-known fact is like child molesters, um, child murderers, uh, rapists, people like that usually are in solitary confinement because of the fact that other prisoners would want to do harm to them, which I find interesting on so many different, different levels, but I, I can't get into that today. Maybe another episode, who knows? So it, a lot of times it's called the hot box, um, the shoe which is a, an acronym for special housing unit. Um, in Australia, they call it the slot or the pound. In uh, British areas, English areas, the block, the segregation unit or the cooler. Um, in prison, it's called segregation and restrictive housing. So there's names for it all over the board, So, which makes sense. Um, it's, so here's the thing. It has always, from the beginning of its existence, been criticized big time because it has detrimental psychological effects. And in some cases, they constitute it as torture. So in 2017, there was a study of review and in quotes a robust scientific literature has established the negative psychological effects of solitary confinement leading to an emerging consensus consensus my bad <laughs> i mean words again if i can't find them i can't pronounce them whatever to an emerging consensus among correctional as well as professional mental health legal and human rights organizations to drastically limit the use of solitary confinement so basically it's used, like I mentioned, when a prisoner is considered dangerous to themselves or others, is suspected of organizing or being engaged in illegal activities outside of the prison, or again, like I said, in the case of a prisoner, like a pedophile, or even, I didn't talk about this, a witness. 
they're at high risks or people who talk to the police. High risks. No one wants that. So the effects of solitary confinement are, I mean, all across the board. At best, they will start to show signs of like a patient, a patient, a prisoner will start to show signs of mental distress, mental illness, um, ill mental health stuff, all that stuff. And that's at best. At worst, it brings out hidden or underlying mental illnesses and it really exacerbates present ones. And it's been known for patients. Again, why am I keep saying that? For prisoners to come out of solitary confinement and never actually be normal again. It's that dramatic that they just can't get back to normal. That kind of behavior and uh, reaction shows up a lot in very traumatic experiences like with murder, witnessing murder as a child or without having the capacity and tools to understand horrible things happening to people like terrorist attacks, things like that. That shows up for people in solitary confinement on the reg. Are you guys kind of understanding that this is not, it's so much more than what we know or what we think like even the best of us could could go into this situation and come out absolutely scarred for life. That's not okay. I don't care what you have done or what you haven't done. I don't care. That's not okay. It's just torture. It's it's criminal. So next we're going to come, I'm going to do a quick little break for one of my favorite days ever. No, not Earth Day, although that is coming up. We are going to talk about Bat Appreciation Day. So after that, we'll be back with some more personal stories, some actual more specifics, stuff to sink your teeth into, if you will. April 17th, this Thursday, is Bat Appreciation Day. Now before you skip this ad, please hear me out because it is important. Bats as we all pretty much know, they have a terrible reputation with people because they are, for whatever reason, seen as scary bloodsuckers that spread disease. But according to scientists, very rarely do they spread disease and few species drink blood. Most of them would prefer fruit. Same. (laughs) Am I right? So it's important because the population of bats has been depleting and that's a problem because they contribute to the ecosystem more than people realize. This day, Bat Appreciation Day, aims to show love for these flying mammals. That's right, mammals like me and you, dolphins. Think of all the mammals in the world. Not that mammals are number one, just saying they're more relatable to us than you realize. It's, I'm here to tell you about the importance of bats and so that you can, if you don't appreciate them, fine. I, I can't understand that, but at least don't do them harm. So this day was started because of the fact that they're depleting their population. That's not okay. It's not good. It's dangerous. It's sad. And it's for no reason. It's for misconceptions that we've all accepted as truth. That's not the case. They keep nature in balance, just like bees and plants and all of the things. Opossums are the same. Very, very, very important. So scientist Dr. Merlin Tuttle he recognized how important that this 
whole thing was with bats. And he started this day and the organization that he created for more information, stuff like that. Basically, you need to know that bats, you've been taught to fear them. You've been taught that they carry rabies. You've been taught that they're dangerous. All of those things are almost never true. Just like people. There are more dangerous people than bats. Let's put it that way. People generally are more dangerous than bats. So get over the fear of bats because they need you and we need them. So you might not like that fact, but I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. It's truth. I have been talking to Amanda at a great bat sanctuary place, bat world sanctuary specifically, and they save, rescue, help bats. And she was so ecstatic when I reached out to her once I found them because I was so excited to find people who care so much about bats because I love them. They are so precious. Google right now, baby bats nursing. You are welcome. Anyways, they have a great website that you can learn more about bats or whatever you need. Anything bat related, go here. It's www.batworld.org. And again, you can thank me later. For this next section where I'm going to just give you some personal stories, some actual evidence, situations, things like that, we're going to head on over to Central Prison, which is located in North Carolina. This is also coincidentally not on purpose, but where my prisoner, my pen pal that I write to, this is where he's located. I pray that he has never been in solitary confinement, but if he has, all the more reason to write to him. So basically this is, there's two people we're going to talk about within this on top of all the other issues with it. And this was written to by, so First of all, these two prisoners reached out to the News and Observer, which you're going to hear it from here on out called The Observer, just because it's quicker. But this was written by The News and Observer. <clears throat> Excuse me. So in North Carolina's prison, about half a dozen inmates have been in solitary confinement for, get this, more than a decade. Unfortunately, the state doesn't want you to know who they are, so they won't tell you. They claim that they've been working to reduce their use of this punishment because awareness has grown about the dangerous psychological effects of isolating prisoners. Yes? Okay. Sure. Hand it to me. I just gave you two full things. So give me a minute. Let me finish this. I'll get you more. Oh my God. Sorry about that. Um... However, it is inevitable, especially now when I'm at home all day, every day, <laughs> doing the thing that is not me, which is a stay-at-home mom. No judgments to all you stay-at-home moms, but that is, honest to God, literally the opposite of me. <clears throat> so I'm doing my best. I'm going to repeat the last part because I don't know that I caught it or that you caught it. State officials, remember we're in North Carolina Central Prison which is also, FYI, located in Raleigh. They say that they've been working to reduce their use of the punishment 
because awareness has been growing consistently about the dangerous psychological effects of isolating prisoners. So roughly at any point in time, 2,500 North Carolina inmates are in solitary. That's insanity. As of early March, the most recent date for which state prison officials provided information, seven inmates had been in solitary for more than 10 years. That's a practice that human rights experts say amounts to torture. And I didn't talk about it before, but my last source when I was explaining what solitary confinement was, was from Wikipedia, and they actually have evidence that it has been decided, concluded, that it is equal to, if not worse than torture. Remember that. So one of their prison spokesmen's uh, spokesmen rejected the observer's request for the names of those inmates, citing a court ruling about the confidentiality of prisoner records. So then, come to find out, the observer identified two of those prisoners through other means. One of them, an inmate named Jason Swain, who also coincidentally the observer profiled earlier this year, suffers from bipolar depression and had been in solitary confinement for more than 13 years. Swain, who is now at Central Prison in Raleigh, it's like I'm just laying the carpet for you guys. I feel so special knowing all this information. I'm kidding. I don't at all. I wish I didn't know this. However, it's out there. It's true. We all need to recognize that. Um, so this guy, Swain, <laughs> I mean, this is stuff that is what you see in movies, but this is, I'm rubbing my face so hard. This is real life. He has repeatedly, not just one time, the one time would be more, not even enough, more than enough it wouldn't happen for me. Swallowed razors, ripped open his surgical incisions, and has plunged sharp object into, into his open wounds. So picture having an open wound and putting something sharp into it. You want to throw up, right? But when you're, I mean, you're in solitary, what else are you going to do? Like you, you would pretty much do anything just to feel something I feel like at this point. So then there's another inmate, the second one that I talked about them coming to get to know through other means, which I'm guessing means that they somehow were able to reach out to them. I'm not sure they don't, they don't disclose that, but um, fill in the blank however you want. This one is named Sean Minich, and he recently wrote to the Observer reporter after he read Swain's story to say that he also has been in solitary for 13 straight years. Here's the thing, real quick. I don't care what people say about like trying to protect people, or that's one thing, or people who have shown to be troublesome and trying to create problems. 13 years? Is that necessary? I mean, they, the prison officials at Central Prison say that it is because they kept Minich in long-term segregation because he is considered an extreme escape risk and has a history of assaulting staff members. But Minich, who is 48, says that he's been kept in solitary even after he's gone more than two years without disciplinary infractions. So basically being a real good boy for, four, two, for two years. And still, he's there. Um, so he describes his conditions at Central Prison as this, being confined for 14 hours in a tiny prison cell that has been flooded with foul-smelling toilet water, 
disgusting. Um, so after seeing that flooding, uh, prisoners, prison of officers cut off the water to it, but they did not move him for hours. So he was forced to defecate into a plastic bag. Um, 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 moving right along about, so I'm going to go in and out with personal information, but just reading this article kind of as is, but making it my own. Solitary confinement is considered to be the most extreme form of punishment in the United States, short of the death penalty. For that reason, it's important. I repeat, it is important for the public to know how it is administered. So inmates in solitary usually spend 22 to 24 hours a day in concrete cells that are smaller than parking spaces with very strict limitations on on visitors. When they do leave their cells for showers, recreation, or therapy, they are typically handcuffed and accompanied by guards. They rarely get to talk face-to-face with other inmates. And that recreational time that they get, it's spent in empty steel cages. Researchers have... (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm trying to do everything, and you might hear my son laugh in the background, so it's fine. Researchers... Okay. (laughs) Researchers... Now I lost my spot. This is just so much fun. Trying to convince myself. (laughs) Researchers have found that prolonged solitary confinement can cause and worsen. So if you've been in solitary prolonged, this can not only cause, like we talked about earlier, mental issues, it can worsen psychiatric problems. That, if you think about it, creates a very vicious cycle. Mental disorders make inmates more prone to commit offenses, which in turn makes them more likely to be thrown into solitary. And so the cycle continues. All I'm asking is that we break the cycle. There have got to be better ways. In 2015, the United Nations approved the Mandela Rules, which are basically to seek to prohibit the use of solitary confinement for more than 15 days and to ban it completely for inmates whose mental or physical disabilities could be worsened by segregation. State prison officials would not allow these reporters to interview Minich or any other inmates in solitary, but Augie. But in letters summarizing his struggles, Minich said that he has been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder a condition that he attributes to living in solitary. He says that it's like living on a battlefield for years. So the amount of stress and psychological issues that a prisoner on segregation goes through in just one day is equal to all a regular person in the free world goes through in a whole month, sometimes in a whole year. You guys... The amount of stress that a prisoner on segregation goes through in just one day is equal to all the things, everything that a regular prison, I mean, sorry, a regular person in the free world goes through in a whole month. Sometimes, like for the people who have it real nice, or at least they're having a good year, a whole year. So then we have a friend of Minich 
who is named Daniel Shane, and he is a professor who heads the biology department at Rutgers University, and he has vouched for the inmate's account. Shane, this professor, and others don't dispute that Minich deserved to go to prison, but no one, they say, they quote, that no one should be kept in solitary for so long. So then Shane, this professor, has a couple quotes for us, and that is this. By any standard, this is cruel and unusual punishment, equivalent to torture. He wrote that in a letter that he wrote in May to state prison officials, lawyers, and lawmakers, and continues with the fact that this is not the example that we should set for the rest of the world. Sean's father, Ed Minich, is a former state official who managed counseling services for state and local governments, and he acknowledges that his son made serious mistakes. And he says he's had many disagreements with him, but no one deserves the treatment he's gotten in prison. I would have to agree. Like, I'm not saying that it's not okay to be sent to prison, although kind of in a way, because I can't even get into that right now, but you, you can't, you can't do stuff like this that science has shown to make things worse and use the excuse that it's to help it that you can't do that anymore. You can't. So a lot of people want to know what are they hiding? Why won't they confirm how long Minich has been held in solitary? Why won't they tell you other people who are in solitary? Elizabeth Forbes, who heads the criminal justice reform group NC cure said that she sees no justification for hold, withholding these names of inmates in long-term solitary. She wants to know what on earth they are hiding. We all do. So researchers, again, we're going to go into even more science because I feel like you need science because you can't fight it. You can't fight facts. Researchers have found that solitary can trigger many psychological problems from depression, rage, to hallucina- hallucinations, self-mutilation, and suicidal behavior, problems that can continue to haunt people even after they're released from prison. When information about inmates in solitary is kept from the public, it's harder for advocates to help inmates, which is a problem. That's a big problem. What right do they have to tie our hands and keep us from helping people who've been kept in isolation so long? Elizabeth wants to know. To her, she says, there's something very wrong with that. Again, North Carolina reiterates that they have long relied on... Augie, stop. I'm almost done. That North Carolina has long relied on solitary confinement to discipline inmates and to remove dangerous and disruptive prisoners from the general population. As of March 12th... um, Okay, so as of March 12th, 167 North Carolina inmates had been in solitary for more than a year. That is not okay. As a global outcry against solitary confinement continues to grow, a lot of states, including North Carolina, like I've mentioned, have worked to reduce their use of this practice. The percentage of adult inmates in restrictive housing has declined from 12.5% in 2014 to about 6% today, and that is according to the North Carolina Department of Public Safety. So there is some information about inmates that is available, including solitary confinement information on a website, but I went to this website 
and I thought about providing it for you and I might, but like, to be honest, I didn't learn much. In fact, it felt almost, what's the word? Again, (laughs) words. They're so important, but also so difficult to find and use when you've been used to not talking at all, unless you're talking to a three-year-old. Oh, come on. Um, it felt more just like very, oh, come on. Okay. You not, this is not what I'm thinking of, but very youthful, like pointless, almost juvenile. There we go. Felt very juvenile because it basically will give you, it won't give their names, but it will tell you like their infractions, um, things they've done wrong, how many times they've been in trouble. Like who the fuck cares? Like that's, if somebody had tallies about me with that, I'd be so annoyed. So I just immediately, pretty quickly, I should say, not immediately, but pretty quickly I discovered it's not really useful information in any way, shape or form. Um, Also, they won't, almost always, they will not reveal how long an inmate has been in solitary, which is, again, pointless. Um, While a lot of states keep that information confidential, like North Carolina, there are a couple of states and more joining that are starting to provide it. Like Colorado, for instance, the length of an inmate has been in restrictive housing. So say somebody's put into solitary confinement, that information is made available to the public. A lot of people want to hear from inmates and people who have endured this punishment because there's so much to be learned from that. But this whole secrecy and who has been in solitary confinement, if ever, how long, details like that, why they were there, why they weren't released, if they were released back into the general population, why they were, all that stuff is very important and it's all very private, but it's needed in order to understand what's going on. So back to Minich. This is crazy, but also understandable. In his younger days, he never once appeared to be on a path to prison. He was a phenomenal wrestler. He excelled at the ROTC program at his high school in Fayetteville. And later on, he did attend classes at the University of North Carolina at Pembroke. He got married twice and became the daughter, the daughter, (laughs) yeah, shit got real. He managed to become the daughter of a, no, he got married twice and became the father of two daughters. But in 1999, he got into pretty big trouble. And this is probably just a little bit of a warning. This might be hard for some people to hear. There's underage sexual situations I'm about to talk about. So if that's like a trigger for you or if that's something you don't want to hear about, I'm giving you a heads up. That'd be me with any podcast out there who starts to talk about animals and people hurting them. I don't care if we're talking about serial killers and how that's part of the triangle. I don't want to hear that shit. So a warning is so appreciated and that's what I'm trying to do for you. So everyone who can't handle it hopefully has left by this point and also hopefully you come back. But a 12 year old did give him oral sex and apparently her parents found out about it and reported it to police. Rightfully so. Pretty much right after that, immediately, a Samson County Sheriff's deputy tried to apprehend him. Well, Minich fought with the officer, got hold of his gun, locked him in his 
patrol car and fled. To me, this reminds me, if you haven't listened yet, go back to the episode Casanova. This makes me think of Casanova big time because how does that happen for real? Then again, he was an ROTC uh, program completer. uh, So that, I mean, maybe that's where he figured, I don't know. I don't think the normal, the average person could do that. So later on, he did surrender and he was sentenced to 31 years in prison. During his time in prison, he was cited for 46 infractions for offenses ranging from weapon and contraband possession possession to repeated escape attempts and several assaults on staff. Many of these infractions earned him more and more time in solitary. His history, by the way, of escape kind of sounds like a crime fiction book. So in April of 2000, he slipped through the window of a moving sheriff's van that was taking him to central prison. Later, he was caught hiding in a pond suffering from hypothermia. That doesn't sound like somebody who is mentally healthy. I'm not an expert. I'm just saying. That's besides the point. So in 2004, he unsuccessfully tried to get a handgun from an officer watching over him in a hospital room. That's scary if you've ever worked in a hospital. I've had more inmate patients than I can count when I worked in the hospital as a student nursing assistant. I was a CNA, but I was a little bit more than that, like a student, whatever that even means. It really is just bullshit. It's all just a term. But I had a little bit more leniency. I could do like IVs and practice more things because I was a student nurse. But basically, we just did the shit work um, and not paperwork, which I mean, it's the trade off. I don't know if you prefer that. But a lot of nurses now, most of their day consists of paperwork, which is not what you'd think. Anyways, I'm getting off track. That happens every time. So that scares me, though, because if I were one of these caretakers, one of this guy's caretakers, and he tried to get a gun from a police officer, which as we know in his history, he has succeeded in doing that. Regardless of that fact, that's terrifying because that puts me and so many other people and patients and just nobody who needs to be in the middle of that, it puts us right in the middle of that. So I can understand why that is required punishment. However, it doesn't need to be solitary confinement. Moving along. In 2007, this is where it gets kind of weird, like his mental health shows through all of his actions. So in 2007, he fashioned a pretend gun from bars of soap and pointed it at a correctional officer who eventually were able to disarm him, but they were only disarming him from a bar of soap, but they didn't probably know that. It probably looked very real. In 2010, he offered three prisoner prison officers $10,000 a piece to let him escape. A deal that all three declined and reported. To me, that's kind of that's impressive and also uh, reassuring that cuz $10,000 doesn't seem like a lot, but and it's not really, but to some people that could be a huge deal. To to not have any crime necessarily, but to just let somebody escape by looking the other way. I feel like you could defend yourself and it would be very hard to prove. And for all three to turn that down, I've, I'm kind of shocked by that, but in a good way. So in recent years, Minich has gotten into a lot less trouble. 
from March of 2011 to April 2013, he had no infractions. And from late May of 2013 to July of 2014, he also avoided disciplinary actions. So state prison officials didn't directly address why he was kept in solitary during those periods. But in an email to the Observer, prison spokesman Keith Acree said that officials regularly review inmates in segregation to determine whether they are eligible for fewer restrictions. He states that, direct quote, each case is considered on merits of positive behavior and measured risk to the safety of other inmates, staff, and general public. Great, that sounds awesome. But sometimes hearing what you want to hear doesn't mean that it's true, and it doesn't mean that it's good for the general population, including Minich. So he basically is saying that prison staff have accused him, Minich, by the way, says that there are a lot of people who work at the jail and they have accused him of many offenses that he never even committed, that he's been cited frequently for infractions days before he was scheduled to be released from solitary. Basically them saying like, make, he's basically claiming that they're making it up right before he has to go to this hearing to get back into general population when he didn't do anything. It was just like, a, well, He's got this coming up. Let's keep him in here. And that's his words. I'm just saying, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm just repeating what he is claiming. Um, He also points out the fact, which turns out to be true, that a lot of inmates with much more serious offenses than he has have done a lot less time in solitary. So it's kind of like, why? You know, why? So in 2010, he filed a federal lawsuit alleging that on several occasions he was kept in a solitary cell for 10 days at a time without a mattress, blanket, or sheets. He also stated that a female sergeant threatened to make prison life hard for him if he didn't respond to her sexual advances. That I'm not sure about. It sounds fishy, but also, I mean, it smells fishy, but also maybe not because if it was reversed and it was a female prisoner with male, we know that that happens. That's a fact. So it's not, it's not impossible. I just, there's no actual proof for that. So I don't want to say that that's true, but it very well could be. Um, but unfortunately, the lawsuit did nothing. So out of desperation, he began to fight back physically by assaulting staff and threatening administrators personally and with letters. He wrote a ton of letters in the time that he was in solitary. He states that these men whom I threatened are now the very top administrators within the North Carolina prison system, which this sounds like paranoia and it it might be, but that's kind of my point. Regardless, whether it's paranoia, made up or not, he's not well mentally. And we know from scientific studies and proof time and time again that solitary confinement, if you don't have prior mental health issues, it will create them. And if you have them already, which he does, it will exacerbate them and make them so much worse and possibly beyond healing. So, I mean, I'm just saying, I don't care what somebody does. I don't think that anybody deserves to be in solitary confinement as torture. I just, I really don't. Wrapping this up, I just want to bring our attention back to Shane, the professor, And his kind of take 
in summary form of this whole situation with Minich. So as he reads his letters, he was struck by his intelligence, grammar, and writing style. So they continued to correspond. He said that he's become convinced that prison officials are mistreating Minich. In quotes, my sense is that Sean has been targeted because he's a smart guy and they can't break him, which again, I'm not trying to take sides, but that makes sense because regardless whether everything that Sean has claimed is true or if it's not, that part, it does matter, but not in the sense of the, in the fact that solitary confinement has still been proven to be equivalent to torture. It's just wrong. But it's also easy when somebody has mental issues to push aside and dismiss anything they say, especially if it sounds kind of paranoid or extreme. But here's the thing. If you're in confinement alone, all of your thoughts are probably, say you don't have mental health issues previously. I'm going to say this probably for the fifth time. It's when you leave solitary, you more than likely will have them depending on how long you're there. But it's very common almost it, the scales tip very heavily to the side that you will leave solitary confinement with mental health issues, even if you did not have them before. So that being said, I just think we need to remember the fact that it might sound like crazy or like a crime movie th- plot or made up. But again, who has the advantage here? Not him. So like, say you were there and that was happening to you and no one would believe you because what you were saying sounded crazy, but you probably sound extra crazy in quotes because I hate that word, but I'm just trying to relate to everybody out there in a way that we are used to hearing things until I can hopefully change that. I'm working on it, but until we can understand or like be open to it, the fact that it is likely that he really is being abused because if you think about it, who's going to believe somebody in solitary confinement? But then I have a hard time saying that because this episode's so hard. It's so hard because it's all wrong, but it's hard to prove beyond the science that I've already showed you. But I just feel like I want to go beyond that and explain why when he's saying things like all the people I've tried to talk to now, like sent letters to and told them like, I'm not going to forget this. I'm going to come after you as soon as like legally, as soon as I'm out, they're all administrators now, which is just like, damn, really bad, shitty luck. But it's so much more than that. So basically, I just wanted to also point out that a professor is has dissected these letters with Sean Minich and has come to the conclusion that he, he believes he's being abused and he believes that he's not lying. And he believes that without getting into details, that there's very, very malignant mistreatment going on, things like that. Um, he also points out that in the winter months, he Minich has been forced to sleep on a concrete floor for days without a bed he's also been stripped and chained to the concrete floor so think of like pirates of the caribbean or some sort of super long ago ancient times prisoners kept in these squalid just horrible 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 places in horrible conditions naked 
chained to a wall or read a freaking crime book. Obviously, most of them are made up, but this shit happens. A crime book where the person is kept in a dark, musty basement, chained, naked. I mean, this it happens, but it shouldn't happen in a public place that is doing a public service, such as a prison. It, it just, it shouldn't. I'm, I'm not even, I was going to say I'm sorry, but I'm not. I'm not sorry at all. That should not happen. And again, I will reiterate, I don't care what you have done. I don't care. And people ask me like, would you feel that way if it was somebody killed your family? Yeah, I would. Granted, I can't say that with 100% certainty because thank God that hasn't happened. But I know myself and I know, I'm not saying that I have to be buddy-buddy with the person if they were to do that. If let's th- theoretically, if somebody were to kill my family or somebody I love, I don't have to forgive them. I don't have to love them. I don't have to like them. I don't have to talk to them. I don't have to do shit. However, I know that I wouldn't want somebody to be treated in that way that could break them or make them suffer like that. Just the same, I would not want them to be put to death because I don't understand that concept. I'm not saying that I'm right and the other is wrong. I'm just trying to kind of give more details on my thinking so that what I'm saying all makes more sense, if that makes sense. So yeah, I mean, I just, I don't, I don't think it's okay for any of that stuff. And I don't want that. Say somebody were to do that to my family or someone I love. Yeah, you deserve prison kind of but also like it depends on each situation each person rehabilitation I believe in that I believe it's possible I don't think it's possible for everyone but I think it's very rare that it's impossible and we're treating prisoners as if it's very rare if not completely impossible for them to rehabilitate and I don't think that that's true and I think we need to rethink the entire system of the world, of our thinking, of the way we do things, and especially of prison, specifically the death penalty and solitary confinement. However, I'm not here to convince anyone about my views. I just, I truly thought this would be a great time to talk about it because quarantine feels a lot like solitary confinement, even though it has not even close. It does feel like it. I feel like this is the time to talk about it in the way that's most relatable for people who are free in the world. Real quick, before we go, I want to talk about a really fun fact. Charles Dickens, he visited Philadelphia Penitentiary during his travels to America, and he described the slow and daily tampering. We're talking about solitary confinement. He describes the slow and daily tampering with the mysteries of the brain to be immeasurably worse than any torture of the body. Mic drop. Charles Dickens, you son of a bitch. You nailed it. You nailed it. The slow and daily tampering with the mysteries of the brain. Because the brain is a mystery even now in 2020. It is a freaking mystery, most of it. It is immeasurably worse than any torture of the body. Couldn't agree more. Um, Whether you agree or not, I thoroughly and genuinely hope that you enjoyed this episode because I about, as always, killed myself to bring it to you. I can't tell you how many, I probably shouldn't share this, but I'm gonna because you deserve my honesty. I cannot tell you how many times in the past three weeks specifically 
I have anguished over this podcast. It has grown exponentially from the day I started it, which is, I think we're coming up on a year. Maybe we've already made made a year. Shit, I forgot to look. Either way, it has been a ride and I'm so grateful for it. And I feel like I'm being tested right now, big time. And so without sounding desperate, I really, I need your support, not monetarily, although obviously I'm welcome to, you're welcome to do that. There's an option. You can click on that to support the podcast, which would be great because that would be very helpful. That aside, I'm saying I need you. If you want me to keep this podcast going, I need to hear it because I, every week I get on and I check my numbers and they're growing, growing, growing always. And there were three times specifically that I literally went to bed, woke up and I was blown away with the doubling, tripling, quadrupling of listeners and the support and the fan mail and just everything. It was overwhelming. But that aside, I don't know. I just feel like I'm fighting more than I am not. I feel like I'm pushing and struggling and forcing more than I'm allowing. And I just need some help with that. So if you guys are enjoying this and if you love it and you want me to keep going, I just need like a shout out or like a little pick me up because I'm not going to lie. I'm struggling. I was struggling before this whole thing happened. And then I thought once it happened, I thought, okay, well, bright, bright minded me was trying to see the silver lining and everything. And that's what I do. And so I thought, okay, well, I'm going to be home all the time. It'll be so much easier. Holy shit. I could not be more wrong. It's not easier. It's way harder. And I just, I just feel like giving up, not, I'm not talking about life. I'm talking about the podcast. I feel like I'm just forcing everything and pushing so hard for what and I and I don't want to sound unappreciative because I'm so I appreciate you guys so much it's painful but at the same time I just there's something about this couple weeks that I just feel like I'm not supposed to be doing this anymore and I I don't know what to do with that because today like this episode was supposed to come out this morning and it just didn't. And I was just like so defeated. I felt so defeated. But I also feel like that's for a reason. Like we're changing as a society, as a globally, as a as a world, as people. The world is changing. Like a new world is literally on its way. Is this part of that? I don't know. You know, I just I'm struggling. So do what you want with that or don't do anything, that's fine. I'm not, I don't, I'm not begging for anything. I don't need validation. I just feel like it would be nice to have support, like a reminder, like, yes, this matters. You matter. It's okay to be late. It's okay to be sloppy. It's okay to have your kid interrupt you. Just get it out into the world. It it doesn't have to be perfect. When the other side of me is like, how dare you? This needs to be perfect. You should have done this, this, but the ugly voice, that ugly voice, that's always telling you what's wrong. That voice lately is kind of a lot louder than the other one. So maybe if you are loving this, let me know and rise up and raise up my positive, good voice, the tr- the voice of truth, which is honest, not always pretty, but always honest. And let me know do you want to keep 
Do you guys want to keep hearing this or not? I'm at an impasse. I just don't know what to do. So let me know. And we'll go from there. I hope you enjoyed. And hopefully I'll see you next week. But again, I've come so close. I get closer and closer to just calling quits and shutting down, shutting up shop, just locking the doors and being done. And I don't want to do that. But it just feels like that's what's going to happen. So yeah, Uh, try and stop me if you enjoy this. And it won't take much to stop me. It'll just take a please don't, even if you don't say anything else. That's I'm literally asking for anything. I'm like dry as a bone over here. I just need some encouragement. That's it. I love you all. Hang in there. I hope you are all staying strong because this is definitely a test and it's it's unknown territory. So I can't necessarily give you advice because I don't even know what I'm doing. But I'm, I will tell you this, I'm here for you. So if you need anything, anything at all, reach out to me. I am very responsive. I am very caring. And I, I just, I care a whole lot. So I'm here. Reach out to me. Otherwise, I hope to see you next week and bring another episode to you. But I'm not promising anything because I, I'm telling you again, just a reminder, I'm at a tipping point. I'm not sure which way this is going to go. If this is my last episode, so be it. If not, so be it. That's where I am at. So let me know. I love you. Goodbye. Peace out. (laughs) Oh, silly boy. Peace out. Thank you.